Hello, welcome to Friends at Home Camp, the podcast where two friends gather by the fire from our five home perspectives. I'm Janine. And I'm Luke. And today we're talking about Adam's Family Values, which is the second of the like 90s Adam's Families. Yes. We skipped to the second one because it's better. Yes. <laughs> do you have your spiel? Yes, I do. Uh, the Adams Family Values was released as a sequel in 1993. It was directed by Barry or Barry Sonnenfeld, who you may know from uh, Men in Black, Wild Wild West, a lot of Will Smith movies. But these were his first two big films, so that's interesting. Really, he did the Adams Family ones before. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, it stars Angelica Houston. Christopher Lloyd, Raul Jewell, Joan Cusack, and a wide range of cast members as the Adams family as they embark on life after Uncle Fester has returned to their family, with many hijinks ensuing. The casting in these first two movies is so good. Yes. And I adore, well, I, I adore every, like, all of the casting, particularly Marticia. And, uh, well, Wednesday's also really good. And Debbie. It's such an... It, this role for Joan Cusack is so different from her other roles. And it's probably one of my favorite ones of hers. Yeah, Joan Cusack's really good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, she's I, kind of pulling a, a good Tim Curry. Like, yeah, she's getting that great yeah. uh, ham energy. But you still see her as enough of a threat. She's never so goofy. She's not threatening, but she's never too threatening. It's not goofy. No, that's a really good comparison. I never thought of that, but yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I want to be her uh, for Halloween. I'm hoping to. I have most of the costume together. But, oh yeah, she just does so good in this role. And it's so, it makes me wish that she had more roles like this, you know? Like, I feel like her more classic type of role is her like uh you know the principal in school of rock like she's normally kind of cast as more like mousy is she is she not i don't know very many of her other roles i know she was the narrator in peep in the big pie world yeah uh i know her as jesse from toy story oh i didn't know she was jesse yeah she's jesse from toy story to my knowledge, she she normally gets cast in more mousy roles. And I also know she was in that show that I don't remember the name of or any of the actors, mm-hmm. which will tell me nothing. <laughs> anyway, she yes, she this is not expected casting for her, but mm-hmm. it works very well. So well. The whole cast is just really well done. I do find it annoying, though. And I, I already know we agree on this. Because both you and me agree, neither of these movies are really about the plots. No. And it's no just, Adam's Family movies about the plot. It's just about seeing the, the characters do stuff. <laughs> like, the that, characters are so good, you just want to see them in any situation, basically. But it does get... It is frustrating for me that the first two movies are so heavily focused on Fester, when, like, objectively, he's probably the most boring one. Yes. I don't ever understand why these movies think Fester's the most interesting. He's not. He's, like, I, so uninteresting. Like, he's fine. Fester's the comic relief character. Yeah. He should be, um, he should be the same type of role as the 
the grandma character or, or Lurch. the Lurch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I think Fester's just not good in big doses. Yeah. I don't find him as funny. Like, I feel like we're being very negative. It's not bad. It's just not where I would have chosen to put it's the It's just preference. annoying. I think objectively, like, all of the casting's good. All of the characters are good. He's fine as a character, but yeah, I like, I wouldn't be like, that's the lead character. You know? Like, I'd probably be like, Morticia and Gomez are the lead characters. But if that... I was gonna pick them. And it's frustrating that in both movies, it's so heavily revolved around him. But that goes to a bigger... I don't know if I'd say problem, but a bigger... Yeah, I'm gonna say problem. A bigger problem with the Adams family yeah. as a property. It is really hard to write any story mm-hmm. for the Adams family. Because there is no classic story for the Adams family. You could because also they... interpret that as being a lot easier because you have creative license to do what you want. But the problem is, is that there's since there's no classic story, there's only classic characters. Yeah. You have to write a story that's based on a character without a character arc. That sounds fun. I don't see the problem. That's hard. Right. Like Batman without the dead. A character arc. It's like Batman without the dead parents aspect. Like there's no iconic story, so it's just a lot harder to make the interesting. I don't agree. Like writing the story. Well, you're I wrong. I don't agree. That's the, your job as a writer is to. I'm write not stories. saying it's like an impossible I thing. I know, but I'm you're just... saying because there isn't a story that you can interpret from, like that's half the stories in the world. You need to like come up with it yourself. I don't agree that. But that's, they are I coming. I don't agree that it's inherently harder. Oh I think that that God. sounds like such a fun Well, I'm saying I know it's harder, not because it's just hard or because of anything. I know it because every adaptation of The Addams Family, everyone almost always agrees the worst aspect of it is the story. Yeah, but like, that doesn't inherently mean... Like, I just... I think... Anyway. <laughs> I think it's kind of the same problem that you run into with um, a lot of comic book movies. In stay with me. You're gonna agree with me in the end. You need, because with most comic book movies, they do have stories that they're interpreting from, but they often hire people who don't understand the characters or the properties that they're working with. If they hired people who knew the Adams family characters, it would be a fun opportunity to write a new story, but. For some reason, they don't seem to care about that when they make movies a lot of the time. So perhaps that's where a lot of the problems are coming from. Because I think if you had a creative team, this, these movies aren't bad. <laughs> should emphasize, these movies are really good. But I think if you had a creative team who were confident in who the Adams Family characters were, that sounds like so much fun to me to like write a story around that rather than like a scary thing but the difference is is a comic book for example mm-hmm. has years of set stories and iconic stories existing I know. so when you can draw from them even if you aren't doing direct adaptation you can know a big aspect of saying, spider-man's though. history is his uncle or batman's history is yeah, his but parents you don't need but that. there's no there's the, no the only creativity thing. is not adaptation. You can create things from nothing. Need... You can put in a character arc if you want. I just don't think the Adams are characters that work well in story. 
their work well as characters. I don't agree. And you're wrong. Like, I, I, it's just How? an objective thing. The weakest part of thing. every Adams thing okay, ever is the story. It, that doesn't you make don't it an watch objective them for thing. the story, which is fine. That it, doesn't make it an objective thing that that has been the outcome through what, like, freaking five movies? By movies, TV shows. The problem is, it's like... What do you mean God, TV shows? Have you ever seen the TV show? Have you seen the TV show? No. Oh, so why are you bringing it up? Because I'm saying you can't know that. I hate when you make these really, like, oh. permanent, like, oh, that is bad because it happened before. Listen, for, like, scientific analysis to determine that shit, you need so many different, like, instances of it happening. You can't just have it happen five times and then you're like, that's 100% the truth. Can you name a successful Adam's property where people were like, that's that exactly the opposite Can of my you point. name one? That's the name opposite. One? You are... Ignoring my point. She can't seem to name one, folks. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. You're ignoring what I'm saying. I'm saying until it's proven wrong, it's safe to assume this when there's been I that guess, many adaptations. That's stupid. No, it's not safe it's to assume fine. that. It's, it's a cons- fine. It's a I'm, I'm just... It's fine. <laughs> I know. You think and I critique this stuff. It's like this like insult that's to the not character of it. It's I'm, fine. Not everything is strong in every way. Adam's never you. been strong. I'm disagreeing with you with the fundamental creative process, which you seem to be like, ugh, you're frustrating me. I'm disagreeing That's because with, I'm right I'm and you don't like it. I'm not talking about the Adam's family in particular. You're, anyway, fine. Whatever. I disagree with you. You're making these weird grand claims over like a few instances. Just because a good story where it's story first hasn't been written, as far as we know, because neither of us have seen the TV show. Maybe that one. Why do you keep bringing it up? Because it exists. Hello, we're talking about Adam's family properties. But neither of us have seen. You're the one who brought them up. Uh, I've never. I've only seen these two movies. So you're talking about other movies. I've never seen them. What do you want from me? Hello. (laughs) I am simply saying that the Adams family has never been good at story. Yeah. Because it's not a character set that is designed for story. No, they're not meant for these iconic stories. They're meant to be iconic characters. When you watch them, you aren't watching for the story. That's fine. You're I, watching for the characters. That's the fine. I the just disagree that you can't the write hype. a good story for them. It's possible. Like, theoretically. And I'm disagreeing that it's fundamentally harder. I think that's, like, no, an exciting prospect. Things can be exciting and also harder. I don't see how it would be harder to start with beloved... Like, that's fan fiction, basically. To start with beloved fan characters. fan fiction is not good. That's Fifty A Shades lot of, of Grey. fan fiction is good. Don't talk to me about fan fiction. I know so much more about fan fiction than you do. Don't start this. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fan fiction. You liked the movie in your. We liked the movie. Why I, are we fighting? Because. No, no, why you're fighting? Because me. you keep making these grand claims about the creative process. About that bothers and then I me. Always am right. You aren't. Uh, that's not how <laughs> life works. Jesus. <sighs> Anyway, the plots aren't very good <laughs> in these movies. <laughs> but this one is better. 
Because as much as Fester's annoying, what? I'm just loving you at the cast. Um, well, Fester's not annoying, but as much as it's kind of disappointing, we're focused so much on him again. A lot of that focus is on Debbie, who's awesome. She's a great additional character. I also love, it's been, I, I think I saw somebody, like, write about this online, that if Debbie was not so insistent on wanting to murder them in particular, they would have been, like, friends. They would have been great friends, you know? Yes. Um, Debbie would have gotten along with the family. Yeah. Not Fester, but, like... They liked her. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were like, like, oh, yeah, you're spunky. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they want to get to, is... Because you said they're spunky, they liked her. Yeah. This film... Adam's family are iconic characters. Mm -hmm. But as you said before, a lot of writers that get put on the properties don't seem to really get the characters. Yeah. And it bothers me because there's like a, you have, because it's such a character focused property, if you get the characters wrong, like nothing works. Yeah. And the big thing I find important for Adam's family is to have a story the Adams Family's characters, uh, if you get them wrong, they're, they're really wrong. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the adaptations get it wrong. I think a fundamental aspect they get wrong is they go too dark with the Adams. Like, the Adams are not bad people. They're just very comfortable with death and darkness. In yeah. a way that other families wouldn't be comfortable. Well, like that's of, a very broad description. They kind of are bad people, but they're loving. They're a very loving family. Are they bad? Yes, I'll, well, I mean, I'll agree Go with the loving family. Gomez literally said he was acquitted of killing someone. <laughs> like, okay. I think they're I bad from like an outside perspective, but like in the family, they're a very loving and supportive yeah. family. Yes, and I think that's a very important aspect. Is there? very loving people, and I never got, I never get the impression they're actively bad people. Yeah. Well, I, like, if you're gonna look at it from, like, a, like, a logical perspective, then many of the jokes they make and stuff would make them bad people, but it's, like, they're jokes, and it's more lighthearted than that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not like you ever walk in on, like, someone, like, stabbing someone, you know? Yeah. So it's more like, haha, he killed someone, that's funny. So, because it's, like, lighthearted, mm -hmm. it's not really meant to be taken seriously, literally, you know? Mm -hmm. But a lot of the impressions, they go too far in other directions. Like, the musical mm -hmm. uh, does an interesting choice where they make Wednesday really want to be normal. Ew, I hate that. Uh, and it it's the entire plot of it, so they do the work to set it up. But it's, like... It's just a weird character choice. Yeah. To do that. But this, I like how this film actively chooses to really focus on not doing that. Yeah. Like, even Wednesday at the camp scene, the very famous one, where she, like, the, she gets mind controlled by them into doing the play, but she really just tricked them. Yeah. So she could do her display. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's very in character with her. She yeah. realized she couldn't win her strategy, so she went a different way. So, I think that also, kind of going back a bit to 
you know, are they good or bad people, whatever. I think these films also do a really interesting thing where they, it's not just the Adams family. Like, they actually do a decent amount of world building so that there's this entire, like, spooky subculture that just kind of exists parallel with, like, mm-hmm. the normal world, right? So you have that, like, cafe with all those, like, ki- like kind of weirdly themed people, uh, which is interesting because that's an extension of, in the last movie, sort of all of the spookiness mm-hmm. was just their family. So now this is also showing us, or at least mostly their family, this is just like a fucking, like a spooky restaurant with spooky people who are all kind of like, Mm-hmm. seemed similar to the Adams family, so it gives us implication that they are very normal in in this weird, like, subculture that exists. And they don't over-explain it, because it doesn't really make sense. But again, it's not the point of this movie to make sense. I never like it, and I think the new animated films, which I don't, I don't think I've ever seen. I've but never I've, seen them. I've seen the trailers and I've been told about this. So my belief is they make them very magical. Oh, okay. In those films, like they're kind of witchy uh, yeah. elements to it. Yeah. And I don't like that. I like the idea that for the most part, they're pretty normal yeah. humans. Like I know, and even in this film, they just are kind of immortal. Yeah. But they're not even that immortal because like an electric chair seems to like, they seem to be like, yeah, that'll kill us, but just an explosion won't. <laughs> but again, they just have a shorter list of things it, that'll kill them. Yeah, it's a very unwritten rule in that it's just like, it's almost just like fate is just really on their side. Like, mm-hmm. it's just very unlikely that you'll kill them, but like, it's never explicitly stated that you can't kill them because you still want to be nervous when she mm-hmm. has them all strapped to electric chairs. But like, you know, they're probably going to be okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Does Kiki have strong opinions? Yeah, I lo- I never like it when they're too magical. Yeah. Because uh, I find that's distracting. Because it's like, oh, this is a story about witches and stuff. But it's not. Yeah, it's a very different vibe from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually do want to talk about Wednesday's uh, indigenous speech. Yeah. And scene. Because... Sadly, uh, in big mainstream film, yeah, that's still probably one of the best, most honest it statements is. about indigenous relations and it's how it's also... kind of just blatantly, uh, no, the white colonizers are going to kill lots of us and then put the rest of us in small reservations with no money. I think that the entire camp is actually a really funny but also interesting like critique of this like very privileged um society which is presented as sort of its own like weird subculture that's like just as weird as the Adams families which mm-hmm. I think is really funny but like the camp uh counselor I remember thinking this was really funny when he was like talking it was like op- opening the camp he was like talking to everyone what was it? It's like a camp for like privileged young adults, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a good time because that's what being privileged is all about. <laughs> it's really funny. And then, <laughs> I of course, that. yeah, from um, he then writes this extremely racist um, 
that's not a play. Is it? Play or musical. Yeah, from, like, the Pilgrim's perspective. <laughs> Which, in the U.S., I'm pretty sure is very common. Or at least it, it was, like... The over rant or the over romanticization yeah. of Thanksgiving, yeah, and how it was they broke bread and well, they, they did that, which they didn't. I do. also appreciate how much they committed to it as well. Like, they had a number of like racist jokes in the play that then they showed the um adults either adding on to or um just finding very amusing, like, it really. It really, like, didn't shy away from the perspective that it was showing. It was very critical. And it's kind of almost sad in a way that that's the most critical piece of big media or one of the biggest critical pieces of media that's out there right now is a speech from Wednesday Adams from the 90s yeah. in the Adams Family Values. Yeah, it's surprising how relevant it is still from the 90s. I think it that scene still makes me a little uncomfortable because they all are dressed up in stuff that they shouldn't really be wearing, which yeah. I think it, it goes into that. I mean, that's like a conversation we've had before, you know? Is it okay to do that sort of thing if you are critiquing the fact that you are doing that, you know what I mean? Because that was a critique that the camp counselors put them in this these yeah. costumes. Do you know what I mean? But it's still kind of like, you shouldn't be wearing that, but is it okay if you're critiquing? So that's like a complicated thing. We've run into that multiple times. I don't know the answer to it. I mean, it's, it's probably, it's really not okay. But like, I don't know. I'm not going to be overly angry because it was the 90s that doesn't make it right yeah. just it was a while ago don't do it now uh and i again it was kind of the first big film that i can think of that ever said this yeah so it's the first one i can think of too and i remember seeing this movie when i was mm-hmm. like a kid and i'm actually really gl- glad that i saw that because then it was kind of telling me that information very early on in retrospect of like uh that the first perspective which i was young enough i didn't really catch on to like the super racist jokes or anything it was like no that was a wrong perspective so it kind of um which like in retrospect what what else was telling me that at the time in the Mm -hmm. 90s you know especially for like what is really a family film Mm -hmm. it was really a good message to include but oh I, i don't really have like a deep perspective or anything on it like i don't not going to critically analyze it there are better perspectives out there now there were probably better i'm sure there were better perspectives out then but they weren't in they weren't being allowed in the big blockbuster movies so but I, i always remember that scene because i'm always like huh that speech it's interesting and it's pretty relevant it's like it's it's a relief too of a scene i remember i was watching this movie recently with two friends who'd never seen it and they keeping in mind family film from the 90s uh historically not that great at like not being super offensive they were cringing so hard at 
the play and they didn't know that that was going to happen. Like, you know, they didn't know that this intense, like, critical um, scene, like, in text of the play was going to happen. Mm. Um, and it was such, like, a relief that the film kind of took that stance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what I think are the best some of the best characters, mm. Morticia Adams and Gomez. Yes. Uh, I, especially Angelica Houston, but both of them really, yeah. are really, really well cast yeah. in this movie. Uh, and I know that this was Gomez Adams' actor, his final film role. Mm-hmm. He passed away shortly after. I know, I was really sad when I found out about that. So, uh, they were really good. They're great. They, and they are, have such chemistry. They have great chemistry, and they're so highly romantic, which is another really important thing. You could not uh, it, imagine. <laughs> I'm making myself upset just imagining this. Imagine if somebody approached Morticia and Gomez Adams from like a sitcom marriage sort of. <laughs> like a oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Gomez. Yeah. The best part of their relationship Mm -hmm. uh, is that they are madly in love with each other. They are obsessed with each other. Like, they are the best things that have ever happened to each other in their lives, and they are aware of it, Mm -hmm. and they love it. Yeah. And even at the opening, she was just sitting with him. Were they just sitting in the garden or in the living room? Uh... Before she goes into labor? Yeah, she's just sitting there. Yeah, she was knitting. And then she's just like, Gomez... We're going to have a baby. Now. And it's like, oh. <laughs> and she says it's so golly because she's like, yeah. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yeah. He'll be enjoy it. He'll enjoy it. He does enjoy it. He has a great time with the whole thing. <laughs> He's like, wow. Um. And then the whole labor situation, <laughs> which was just really funny. Yeah. And then they have an Adams with the cute little mustache and everything. I honestly think these films are, like, underrated for how funny they are. Yes. Like, they are joke after joke. And they are consistently funny. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. And the jokes are, like, well thought out. And they're well delivered. Which Mm -hmm. is, like, yeah. These movies are just really impressive. Also want to talk about the, um, the costuming and the, like, sets and stuff are so, like well thought out Mm -hmm. and I just really appreciate that and like having um uh all of like Debbie's costumes she almost she has her own like palette which it's like it's so different from the Adams family but it like kind of goes still there's like just enough of an edge of like being a a serial killer (laughs) that like somehow blends it still and I love the house, and um, I adore, one of my favorite things about these films are how Morticia always has a, an eye light. Yes, there's always, always a light just on her eyes. Every which makes scene. her, Which just makes her eyes pop so much. Yeah. It's such like an old Hollywood sort of vibe, and it's just like, it suits her so well. Mm-hmm. And it makes her stand out in every scene, which is like perfect for her. Mm-hmm. No, it's a lot of fun. It's great casting. Uh, 
they're just so in love. That whole dance scene they do together, they're the so tango, in love. The, the tango's iconic. I honestly, though, very minor critique, but the tango, I always find is more iconic through memory than in person. I think it's kind of weirdly shot a few times. Um, and so I don't know what was going on there, because I find the film's really well shot the rest of the time. Anyway. I just don't think they're great. The uh, cinematographer's strength was dance numbers. Probably not. That's a very particular skill. Yeah. Um, I love Near the End. Okay, first of all, when Debbie, like, sets the bomb and then is outside the house in her car and the house explodes and she, like, ignores the explosion. Iconic. And then... When they are driving, I don't know why, but this one visual has been burdened in my memory since childhood of when um, Thing is driving with Fester away after she's, like, tried to kill him again, and he finally catches on that she's trying to kill him, (laughs) and he throws the meatloaf out of the window, and then when Debbie is following, she drives over the meatloaf. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I have never forgotten that image of driving over the meatloaf. And I have to bring it up, because for some reason that... A memorable moment. It's Why? Who knows? Who would have thought, you know? But I've never forgotten. (laughs) There's something so gross about it. (laughs) Speaking of thing, what did you think of thing? Like, the hand uh, creature? Um, I always like thing i like him rollerblading at the beginning um i didn't like the joke or this is the first time i've noticed this joke um when gomez and fester are talking about how like fester wants a lady um gomez is like oh well you have thing which is a more adult joke which is fine but then they go to thing and thing is like shivering so I didn't really enjoy the implication of that one. It was mm. the first time I've noticed it. Because that made me feel really bad for things. Yeah. I didn't think it like that, but I guess you can you can think it like that. Mm. So uh yeah. Oh, I think thing for the most part his effects are surprisingly good. Surprisingly uh, good. The opening skating scene's a little too computery for me. Yeah, but you but know. Nineties it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised that, well, it's obvious that it's like a real hand that they've cut, like they've cut yeah. off computer-wise. I realized I was just going to say <laughs> it's a real hand they just cut off. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and it's a good effect. Yeah. Every time we see thing, I think about, like, how much of a score that role was for whatever, like, hand model or hand actor it was. Because they got a nice hand. Like, they yeah. have to be a hand model, you know? Um, like, that would have been the funnest job as a hand model. Mm-hmm. And then, we don't really see much of him, but Cousin It. Uh, Cousin It's always kind of used in Adam's family properties as, like, a surprise cameo. Yeah. Which is always an interesting choice. I like the joke of their baby being named what? Yeah. Um, I, for some reason... Cousin It was, like, weirdly iconic when I was younger. Like, I feel like kids were always talking about Cousin It. Like, I don't know why. Um, as an adult, I don't really, like, get it. <laughs> I made a joke once 
when I had really, really long hair that, like, I could put my hair in front of my face and look at cousin it. He's a weirdly, like, iconic visual, but yeah, he doesn't do that much. No, he's a very iconic visual. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything. We didn't really talk much about Puzzly, but I don't really have much to say. Puzzly's just not as memorable because he's always with Wednesday, and Wednesday's just better. Yeah. He's up there with, like, Fester. He's probably my least favorite. He's he's the most disposable of all of them, mm-hmm. you know. That's kind of his part yeah. in this film. Is like he's, uh, the boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we should talk about the baby. Okay, mm-hmm. first of all, pubert, hilarious name. So <laughs> so gross. And I love um, uh, crap. Why am I forgetting her name? Blonde girl. Debbie. Yeah. I love Debbie's reaction to it. Um, do you remember that? No. They're like, it, well, you know, it's a joke. They're like, oh, something a kid could live with. <laughs> and then they're like, pubert. And she's like, I like it. It's filthy. Which is such a strange reaction to a child's name, but it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a fucking weird name. Um, that baby, when it is not in its weird Adams Family makeup, is so cute. With its mm-hmm. little, I, I swear it took, when I was little, I could, did not, could not register that as the same baby, but now I'm like, yeah, it's the same baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's, see, that's another thing when I was a kid, first of all, very confusing, very random plot point that the baby just like turns normal, I guess, for a little bit. Um, it's just sort of like a random thing they do to raise the stakes, I guess. Uh, but it works. I remember as a child being so confused as to why that was happening. I could not... They don't... They very briefly explain it with the... Uh, I would say they go beyond explain it briefly. Like, okay. why the baby changed. Like, they have a whole scene dedicated to it where the grandma uh, explains. It's like, hey, the baby can tell something's wrong here. The family's <laughs> broken up. Yeah, I guess that's true. It just doesn't make sense. It's not... <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I just remember being very confused as a kid, but in, 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 well, not in retrospect, but now it's such a smaller plot point than I remember. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's fine. It doesn't take up very much. And I do appreciate like Morticia trying to read a cat in the hat and stuff, because that's the thing too, is that they're still trying to be supportive, even though they're very upset with the situation. Like when the child, when the grandma gives the news, oh, the child's going to grow up normal. Hey, he might even be president one day. Yeah. Uh, Gomez doesn't respond with like, not in my, like, I'll never allow it. Like he's not allowed. He, like, responds with, no, take me instead. Yeah. Like, his, the idea of being normal is suffering. Yeah. So, but he wants to suffer instead of the kid. Yeah. Which was, like, a little detail in the way they worded that. Mm-hmm. But it changes the message where it's, like, they still love him. Yeah. The problem is the problem is that he's normal. Yeah. And they, they see normal as suffering. Yeah. So they're sad. Yeah. No, that's but a they really make good an interpretation. Effort. No, they do. And, um, <laughs> the scene, because also, in the same, um, kind of logic, Gomez starts dying for no reason. <laughs> I think it's just, they're all sad. That, uh... Which is so funny. When they go to the scene, I remember you cracking up at this. They, like, go to the scene and he's just, like, swing. 
just in his bed, which is such an amazingly dramatic way to, like, tell people you're dying. He's just singing in bed, and Morticia's just completely, like, straight faced, like, oh, my husband's dying. <laughs> We're like, okay, I guess that's what this means. He just looks like he's being sad. But he's had a hard few days. <laughs> he lost his brother. His son's gonna suffer forever as a normal person who could be a doctor. Yeah. Uh, it's been an emotional time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was straining. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say? The problem is we both liked it. I know. <laughs> we don't normally both just say, yeah, it's good. Everything was good. Well, th- yeah, the thing is, too, is that the the plot is so, like, minimal. Ooh, I have two fun things. Yeah. First off, the grandma actress. Yes. She's just made her whole living playing kooky grandma characters. She has? Yes, because she also was the grandma landlord lady in Kimmy Schmidt. Oh. And I just I think it's, like, from, such a... F- I know her from Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Was she a kooky grandma there? Nope. She was a kooky drama teacher. Same idea. She wasn't. She's not old though. She may be old now. She wasn't at the time. Oh, okay. which is just surprising. I just found that interesting that the two things I knew were from, because I heard her voice and I recognized it. Also, Nathan Lane appears in this movie. Yes. And he later in the musical went on to play Gomez. Oh, was he good? Yeah. Like, for everything I remember, he was good. That cop scene was really funny with the... When he starts, um... Listing the whole crimes. Yeah. And they're at camp. It's just really funny. Oh, there's also that... I think it's hilarious, but few people probably would. There's the scene where they try to torture the kids, and the kids are like, but it's Disney. Mm. And then the music they play is from a bunch of movies... That are not Disney. Those aren't Disney? They were. I think a lot of them are Disney now because oh, Disney bought Fox. but they weren't at the time. No, they weren't at the time, which to me was like, oh, someone couldn't get the copyright cleared. Yeah. Disney said no. So they were like, we'll put Annie in Sound of Music and we'll hope no one notices. Yeah. But well, I always watch that, that scene sound and I'm of like. Music wasn't, wasn't Disney. No, I think that's Universal. Huh. Or no, no, that's Fox because Disney owns it now. That, the stuff in the cabin, which they get sent to the cabin twice, was also, it's so weird rewatching movies as an adult that you watched when you were a kid, because that, in my memory, was so much more traumatizing. Like, I was like, this is, this isn't such an unfair punishment. Uh, And I like Disney movies, so I don't know what I was doing, but (laughs) I, I remember that being so, so much more of like a traumatizing event, but in reality, it's like. Very short scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my god. Uh, Christina Ricci's acting of her creepy little smile is very impressive for however yes. old she was. She did such a good job of doing an unsettling smile. Mm-hmm. No, she's really good as what I'm saying. Like, that's some professional acting. Right I there. also really like the actress who plays uh, the like main blonde girl. She is Harmony on Buffy, which is the main thing I know her of. She's a fairly small character on that show, but she does a few stuff that's fun. But that show and this are like the only really things I've seen her in. Um, so I just always think it's fun to get to see her in something else that's not Buffy, where she's like doing something. She's in the first movie too. <laughs> I don't know if she's supposed to be the same character, but she's the one who doesn't buy lemonade from them, because 
Don't laminate his poison. <laughs> neat. Yeah. It's neat when they're fun casting. Yeah. Well, I guess does that conclude it? I think so. I don't know. These movies are like super iconic and they're they're really fun. They're really like fun and funny comedies and I highly recommend them if you've never seen them. I think you'll find them like Mm-hmm. Very entertaining and charming. Especially the second one, which is the one we reviewed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're just fun movies. They're good. The first one is still good and has all the good elements. It's just the plot on that one is definitely worse. It's a lot more faster. In my opinion. It's kind of that classic, I just have something against that sort of plot line of like, oh, an imposter. The liar revealed. (laughs) But then they're actually the right person. I just find that boring. Because you know as the audience the whole time, and it's like kind of frustrating to see everyone else not know, you know? Mm. So this one's more fun, in my opinion. And you get Debbie, who's like amazing. Yes. Malibu Barbie. (laughs) That slideshow scene's always funny. Oh my god, the slideshow. Because that's it, too, is that... So... This movie takes itself, like, the perfect amount of seriously, which isn't very much, because the slideshow makes no sense. All the, like, photos, like, <laughs> especially with the the one with, like, the axe and silhouette, like, imagine her with, like, a freaking old, like, 90s, like, digital camera, like, trying to, like, <laughs> take the photo and threaten her husband with an axe. Hilarious. Um... Like, so much of this movie doesn't make sense, but it doesn't need to. It's, like, the perfect amount of, like... Absurdity. Yes, exactly. That's what I was looking for. Uh, yeah. It's a funny thing. It's just a good movie. The I problem think... is we both like the movie is we have nothing to say. <laughs> the very end, it's funny you're saying that the dude did uh, Men in Black, because that very end song... Um, yeah, that's, is, it uh, ends with a kind of awful song choice. Like, a, it's fine. I don't like it. But instead of whoop, there it is, it's whoop, the Adams Family. Yeah. By the original singer, I'm pretty sure. It sounds like Will Smith's, like, uh, um, Men in Black songs, you know? Yeah. The ones he made for Men in Black. Sounds very similar. I think it was just a trend at the time to be like, oh, we need a kooky rap song. Yeah. So, I guess that concludes today's episode of Friends at Film Camp. Thank you for joining us on our first of our spectacular October series. We will see you next week at the campfire. <laughs> <laughs>